Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Arc of Ohio podcast with Jen and Lindsay. Lindsay and Jen. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I've always learned that like you alphabetize it. So it would be Jen and Lindsay. There you go. J comes before L. And we also have a little friend with us today, my son. Hi, Jack. Jack. How are you? Pretty good. Good. Are you enjoying Sports? your spring break? Yeah, spring break. We're going to start today. Yeah. Did you do anything fun today? Um, well, we're going to go to the summer park. When it starts with thunder and lightning, and then mm-hmm. we're going to go to the um, park. It's called Summit Park, and we usually um go there and play, and me and Evie will go there, mm-hmm. and then... And we usually go there, and me and Evie will play. And then slow down this like around Grass Hill. Mm-hmm. And Evie likes the park, and she she likes to, to see Bo. And we may, we went we went to Makita Park, and that's good. Yeah. Oh, fun! That sounds like a great time. I love a good park. Oh yeah, wow. it's gonna be the spring break of every park in Cincinnati. We're gonna go to. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So we're excited to be here today to introduce our wonderful guest that Lindsay and I got to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked to Dr. Temple Grandin. Pause for applause. Uh, Temple talked about practical advice to give to parents and teachers. We talked about her new book, Visual Thinking talked about how she sees in pictures and we kind of got the whole podcast really shows how she thinks. Um, so even if you listen to it once and then you listen to it again, you'll even get more out of it about how she thinks as a person mm-hmm. with autism and a person who is just constantly um, thinking in pictures and then associating to different things. And it was, it was really uh just very cool. I loved be- it when she talked about how she was visualizing things throughout the interview. It was really great. Yeah. I mean, it's priceless information. Mm-hmm. It that's was. all I want is to know mm-hmm. what it's like, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she actually, uh, I got to talk to her a ton about Jack and um, she was giving me all kinds of good career advice for him and mm-hmm. uh, teaching him how to save money and thinking about money. So I thought that was really helpful. So we actually mm-hmm. broke up the podcast into two parts, guys, because it's it's a long one. And so the first 45 minutes is going to be out today. And um, it's going to talk about those things I just listed. And then the second part will be out next Wednesday. And it will talk about more of the policy um, things that she would like to see and some of the things that Lindsay and I are working on. So it's mm-hmm. kind of broken up quite nicely. Um, for parents and policymakers and anybody who wants to listen. So yeah, we're just grateful that you guys are here. Yes. So Jack, would you like to formally introduce it? Um, introducing the podcast where my mom talks to Temple Grandin. Thanks, Jack. Great job, Jack. Enjoy the podcast. Okay. Thanks a lot. Dr. Temple Grandin is an American scientist, industrial designer, animal behaviorist, and prolific advocate for people with autism. She has done groundbreaking work in animal welfare. She has been named one of the top 10 college professors in the United States for her decades of teaching at Colorado State University. She has written numerous books, many of which I've read, 
and have gifted to others, including The Way I See It, Thinking in Pictures, Navigating Autism, and then her latest book, Visual Thinking. She has given thousands of speeches and has helped so many people with autism and their families identify a person's strength, advising young people on what kind of career would be best suited for the skills that they have. And uh, Lindsay and I are both parents of children with autism. So we're so honored for you to be here, to share this time with you. And welcome to our little podcast in the state of Ohio, doing some public policy work. And we'd love to talk to you more about well, some of those things that we do and try to get your ideas. Okay, well, that, that sounds good. And I also like to just pass on a lot of practical tips like I just did about the iPad yes. and, and teaching the individual how to type. And uh, and and using something like an iPad where the print appears next to the top of the keyboard, really important because there's an attention shifting slowness problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Grant, I read your book, this latest book, Visual Thinking, um, beautifully written book. Um, the parts that I like are when you really go into, obviously I read Visual Thinking and Thinking in Pictures, but you talk about the difference between people who think in pictures and then the people who think more in patterns and then people like me who think like verbally and more abstract. And so can you kind of talk about that and how we can kind of think about, I think it's so important to understand that people think differently. Well, that's right. And I do a lot of talk to big, talks to big business. And I say, you need to hire these people that have these different kinds of skills. You need the skills. And the first step is realizing that different kinds of thinking exist. One of the problems I've observed with verbal thinking is overgeneralization. I don't know how many times teachers and parents will say, well, how do I work with autistic kids? Well, are we dealing with a three-year-old where it's early intervention or with a, you know, a 12-year-old that's bullied in school and fully verbal? I have to have more information. The verbal thinker always overgeneralizes. And I have the same problems when I'm trying to figure out pet behavior problems. Same thing. My dog is crazy. Well, what did it do? You, it's impossible to answer the question with just that that one very overgeneralization. And one of the problems we have with autism is unlike a diagnosis of dyslexia, which is a problem with reading, that's much more narrow. Autism, when they get grown up, goes from Einstein, no speech until age three, to Silicon Valley, uh, head of a big company, to somebody who can't dress themselves. And it all has the same name. And so with autism, it's especially bad. I mean, in its mildest forms, I think it's geeky and nerdy, it's just a personality variant. Mm -hmm. But then you get into forms where it definitely is a severe disability and very different services are needed. This is one of the big problems. And a lot of policy is way too vague, way too vague. And right. I'm, I'm going to use examples. I, I, I have no politics policy. So I'm going to talk about engineering stuff where we don't get into any hot button issues. But let's just take when the um, power plants froze in Texas. Mm -hmm. Number of different power plants froze. And there were different types of power plants, nuclear, uh, gas-fired, coal-fired. And before you can figure out how to fix this, you have to put down what piece of equipment froze at each power station. Okay, you got people discussing this. And they don't have that basic fact. I know enough about construction. I spent 25 years in heavy construction. And I know enough about equipment that maybe building a building around a turbine hall is uh, very inexpensive compared to some other 
problem, but you have to know what they are. And I hear people talking about policy in such vague terms. That's the equivalent of not asking what froze at each station. You see, now I see it. Okay, all kinds of ways a coal infeed mechanism could freeze. So I, I know something about that equipment. I've heard you talk about this before, and I was thinking about this with, if you heard what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, with okay, the train. What did happen? Oh, with the water? Oh, the train. The train well, first train. of all, yes, I did read that. And if it was a bearing that went out, I understand there's heat sensors on the tracks um, that detect this. But there also needs to be better train mechanism. You shouldn't, I mean, train maintenance, I should say. I sometimes mix up words, mechanism and maintenance. I sometimes mix up similar sounding words, and I know they have different meanings. But maybe the train's wheels need to be better maintained. I want a lot of more detail on what actually happened. Okay, right. so it was a hot bearing that went out. See, and that, that was my thing. I, like you, where I, all I heard was them jump right to policy. Well, we got rid of these regulations and these policies. And I'm like, but what actually happened? <laughs> like, yeah. what? I don't know. Because no one wrote about it in the press that no, but much. But this is the I, problem. Right, this exactly. The problem. So if it's hot bearings, right. then maybe the railroads need to put in a much better documented uh, maintenance program, similar to what we use in the meat industry. It's called HACCP, Hazard Analysis Critical Control Points. Well, you can't measure everything food safety. So you have to figure out what are the really important things to measure. Well, when it comes to derailment, hot bearings is, you know, that are not getting lubricated is one of them. And so you, you can't just rely on the on the heat sensors on a track. You also need to be having a scheduled uh, program of uh, inspecting the bearings, replacing them before this happens. And and uh, because bearings are a critical control point for derailment. I just thought the same thing when you were talking about that, about what happened in Texas, it's very similar. And I, don't know, I honestly wonder if like the media thinks that people just don't care about those things or we won't understand it. So they don't report on that. But like, no, I think, I think like more... my son would love to know what actually happened to that train. And you know, what I, is think, I think it's verbal thinkers overgeneralizing. I think so too. I think it definitely is, because in working with my wonderful co-writer, Betsy, mm -hmm. uh, there's mechanical things that I had a very difficult time explaining to her. Mm -hmm. I remember one time she did a beautiful job of making my writing beautiful, beautiful job. But I was trying to explain leverage to her mm -hmm. on Little Kids Elementary Science Site. We were on the same science site. She didn't get it until I finally said, Betsy, have you ever taken a screwdriver and pried the lid off a paint can? And she said, yes, that's leverage. The tip moves a quarter of an inch. The handle moves several inches. Right. That's why you can pry the lid off because you have leverage. Then she understood it. Right. And I think this has gotten worse as schools have taken out hands-on classes. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. Leverage. Because for that. her, to, for a highly verbal person to understand leverage, she had to rate it, uh, relate it back to something she actually did using a screwdriver as a lever to get a paint can lid off. But you're exactly right that they took out HOMAC and uh, tech. I mean, they have STEAM class in my son's school now, which is kind of neat. It's like the STEM type yeah, thing. And, 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 and maker spaces. But the thing is, is that we, we have a big shortage now of skilled trades. 
I'm sure there's train maintenance people sitting in break rooms talking about the stupid suits. Well, they never maintain those wheels. They never inspected them. They just wait for them to break. They rely on the sensor on the railroad track. No, that's not okay because that disobeys HACCP principles that we have in food safety. You have to have more than one uh, way of, of checking on this. And the railroads have got to put in a, a program where these things get inspected. And, and the state of Ohio is replaced them. Yeah, I agree. The state of Ohio is with their with our education system, we're trying, I mean, there's a big push to do more workforce mm -hmm. inside of our school system. I've heard you talk about other countries that do it better. How can we learn from other countries like Holland? Well, the reason why Holland is making so much food processing equipment, like for poultry and pigs, that we're mm -hmm. not making is in ninth grade, the kid can go university route or tech route. Mm -hmm. And they don't look at the tech route as something lesser. And that train derailment is definitely in the tech route. Right. And that's something very serious and very important. And especially if a car is going to haul something hazardous, then the inspection of the wheels has to be even more intense. Oh, if, if a car is going to haul lumber, okay, that tips over. But it doesn't, you know, it trashes a lot of stuff. But if you're hauling that polyvinyl chloride or danger, any car that can have something dangerous put in it, that car needs to be have a much higher level of inspection than a car hauling lumber or cars. It seems like there has to be an accident before people actually like see it, you yeah. know, and like can fix it. And I was reading some of your work on animal consciousness and animal welfare and how you kind of worked with um, like McDonald's and different places and kind of they had to see it before they had to see the animal not doing well before they could. Well, and the other thing is you have to be practical. I've got a paper on practical application mm. you know, for animal welfare auditing. And you have to have very simple measurements. What are your critical control points? We inspected those plants, five very simple critical control points. Everything dead on the rail when you hang it up. Uh, made unconscious with one shot with the uh, captive bolt 95% of the time. Uh, falling score 1% or less, slipping score 3% score or less, electric pride use under 25%, and vocalization and mooing and bellowing in a stunning area 3%. Everything per animal, very simple. Those are your critical control points and a lot less emphasis on the paperwork. But you were saying the suits had to like see. The well, that's right. The animal. other thing is it was very interesting having these undercover boss moments mm -hmm. before that show undercover boss. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw one the other day. They were installing security equipment, walking around on a very high roof with a safety harness on that didn't appear to be connected to anything. Just saw that the other night. Um, but they... I, when they saw the bad things, like a half-dead dairy cow going into the product, it was just like that show. They go, oh, there's stuff we got to work on fixing here. The other thing I did is I made it extremely practical, extremely, extremely practical, and figuring out the important things to measure, and, and they had to pass on all five of those critical control points. It worked beyond my wildest dreams. Wendy's came in a few months later. They did the same thing. Burger King wanted to change the standard and go, no, no. Everybody has to do the same. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I was able to fix almost all the plants with simple changes. I was not selling equipment. Only three out of 75 had to buy expensive stuff. 
All right, so let's go back to the trains. Obviously, hot bearings is one of the things. Mm -hmm. Then I need to look at um, how I love look at a lot of past accident stuff to figure out what the critical trope points. One of them is going to be hot bearings, obviously. But maybe there's things with track makers that's causing derailments. I have to learn more about that. Going too fast around corners, I rather that derail the train. You know, right there, that's probably three of your critical control points. And if they're hauling something hazardous, I'm they're gonna, and I'm not gonna lumber and cars I would not consider as hazardous, right. unless there was a problem of lithium ion batteries catching on fire. Lumber definitely not hazardous. Uh, coal is not hazardous. Grain, things like that, it's messy to clean up. You see, now as I talk about that, I'm seeing it. Okay, what's a coal car going to look like tipped over? You know, you got to clean it up. Grain tipped over. I was going to ask you, are you seeing all of this? Oh, yes, yeah, I'm train? seeing it. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it because I know exactly what these cars look like. We have a train that goes through campus. Ugh, and I was right up there on the crossing gates watching a chlorine going by very slowly. I'm like 10 feet away from a car full of chlorine. Yeah. That is definitely a hazardous cargo. Yes, it is. And and um, you also need to make sure these cars aren't going to just leak because the tank on the car is not maintained. You know, other kinds of, because I've got a tank there. And if that tank breaks, just because it was rusted out or something, that has to be inspected. And I'm going to be Thank much you. more, I'm going to be much, much more strict on the hazardous cargo. And then I'm going to define what it is, what is hazardous cargo. Right. Poison. Now I'm seeing a trip to the airport at four o'clock in the morning and a tank in a box-like thing. So you can put it on a container ship. Had cyanide in it. And I passed it. And I read the sign. Cyanide. Wow. Chlorine. I, I'm seeing, okay, evacuating the whole town that could possibly kill people. Lumber tipping over, coal tipping over. That's a mess to clean up. It's expensive for the most part. I'm pretty sure my my son sees a lot of pictures yeah. as well. I'm not I'm not 100%. He's a little bit a pattern guy too, so it's kind of hard to tell. Is but good at math? Because the pattern thinkers are going to be good at math. He's not good at math. So maybe he's, I think he's just so visual because he does pull things like because I've tried to get him out there as much as I can. He pulls things from years ago that he'll see. I do the same thing. Yes. And I'm like, how do you remember that one detail from the children's museum? You well, know, and he'll like, well, now we're talking about trains. I can remember when I was a very young child going mm -hmm. to the train station and putting pennies on the track yeah. uh, to get him squashed by the train. Yep. And I, yeah, that's that's a very very old memory for me. Yeah, and it's neat though. Your brain in our, in our pocket. Your brain will take like one word. Like I could give you a word, right? And then you would like associate. All right, give me a keyword and make it something creative and not something I can see right now. Don't do the house card dog. Let's get a little more creative than that. And I'll tell you exactly how my mind gets the information. How about friend? Friend. I'm seeing my good friend Ruth that I just saw the other day. Aww. I'm seeing a professor that was named Ted Friend. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing him. I'm seeing um, uh, people that were great mentors for me, but I am seeing specific people. And then I'm also seeing things that are not friendly, like getting bullied in high school and being called tape recorder because I always said the same things. 
But you see, it comes up like a series of PowerPoint slides. It's like those little videos, you know, when you do that live thing on the phone and you get that little tiny video, that is kind of like how it comes up. And then I can get off the subject. So I'm thinking about something I did with Ruth. Okay, we're working cattle together. Now I went from Ruth to cattle. You see, because that's something I did with that friend. And she did her thesis project on cattle handling. You okay. see, it's associative, but there is a reason for the association. Right. It's not random. It makes sense. Right. So that's how my mind works. And a lot of policymakers, they don't get out in the field. And, and we get policy. I can't believe this horrible word reasonable. I see that in all kinds of policy. What's reasonable mean? A reasonable time to comply. What is that? Right. Lawyers. Lawyers come but up with this term. But you see that's very vague. <laughs> mm -hmm. Reasonable. I need a date. I can't have reasonable. What day is yeah. reasonable? Yeah. Well, it's not. You have to have it like two weeks or something. Right. And and I read this vague stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why my scoring system works is we had five critical control points. They had to pass on all five and they were clear like traffic rules. Traffic rules are not fake. Stop signs do mean stop. Right. Speeding's measured with the device. The police don't say, are you driving at a prudent speed? Right. No, it's measured. And and alcohol blood level is measured with a device. Right. And you could argue about its calibration. They can't just base it based on they think you're drunk. Right. Go ahead, Lindsay. I keep I could just go on and on and ask you a hundred oh, questions. No, no, you're fine. Um, we, since we started with education and we were talking about schools, I'm, I want to know how do we uh, help teachers and support staff feel more qualified and supported? As All parents? right. That's way too vague. Too vague? Way too vague. You see, okay. that's the problem. Now, I have certain critical control points I talk about in autism. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's look at the classroom itself. Okay. I want to make sure we don't have LED lights that flicker. Okay. That is probably going to be a problem for about 10%, maybe 15% of your population. Okay. All right, whip out that fancy phone and take pictures of the room in slow motion video and wave. And then when you play it back, it should move slow. You have to make sure you're playing it back in slow motion and the bad LEDs will flicker. So what do you do if expensive ceiling lights all flicker? Well, then you go find an LED light that does not flicker, a real bright one, put it in a lamp and put it on the kid's desk or get that desk over by the window. Mm -hmm. That is the probably the, the number one thing in the environment that will have to be fixed. Now, another problem is imagine a lot of these kids are like a slow computer, like a phone on one bar service. Mm -hmm. So you're working with them with language. Give them time to respond. Right. Give them time to respond. Yep. And if you get in their face too much, then they freeze. It's like, okay, I clicked on uh, Google five times. So now it takes forever to open because it has to open it five times. Sort of like clicking on a computer too much. The other problem is working memory. I don't have working memory. Rapid multitasking, I cannot do. Now I can multitask if I do something, 30 minutes work on this, 30 minutes work on that. That I can do. But I cannot do the rapid multitasking. So... McDonald's takeout window. Let's stay away from that. 
And the other problem is I cannot remember long sequential strings of verbal instruction. Cannot remember that. Mm -hmm. I have to write down the steps. And I was at a big training conference recently and I didn't want to use yucky meatpacking plant examples. So I, I um, used, uh, let's say I had to learn the computer for a gate agent at the airport. This is a little more complicated than the Walmart cash register. And okay, may I gate check a bag. All right, I'd have to write down the keystrokes. Print a boarding pass. Keystroke, keystroke, passenger's name, keystroke, keystroke, whatever it is. Because if somebody just goes boom, 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 and so I can't remember that. Can't remember it. And that might be some highly verbal person that can remember that. Well, well, you stupid. I already showed you how to do that five times. Are you dumb? No. What I would have to do if I had to do that job today is I'd have to write, okay, gate check a bag, print a boarding pass, scanner screwed up, you know, all the things you got to do. And I'd write down the keystrokes. And then I would have to go home and memorize them and practice them at home. And I wouldn't actually press the buttons on my computer. I don't want to mess it up, but I would just do it just above the buttons. And I might make up a jingle for some of the different things. Yeah. And, but I am not going to learn that if somebody just yaks it out. Mm -hmm. And I just heard a very sad story where a person with autism lost two of the fire from two electrician apprenticeships because they went yak, yak, ceiling light, yak, yak, dimmer switch. If they had just written down a list of the stuff and the order they want it installed. Mm -hmm. That's all that would have had to have been done. But these are things are, that are critical control points. There are a few almost universals that I have found from all the people I've talked to. And these are simple things to do. And I'm not stupid, but I could see somebody going, well, you know, this is just stupid. Well, you know, I can tell you what, I'm gonna fix it. Throw some jet bridges. I'm gonna be the one that's gonna get rid of that problem. Because I can now see it. Okay, if you telescope it in and the water drips off the top of it, it's going to freeze it where it telescopes in and, and, and you're not going to be able to move it until you bust that ice out. See, that's something I can see. Oh, I'd be the expert at not having frozen jet bridges. But you see, that's something I can easily visualize. Because right. the way my memory works is little snapshots like you take with that phone and it moves just a little bit. You see, it's not sequential. We're just such a verbal society that you're right. right. That that's why your book is so important because mm -hmm. if you are super intelligent, super intelligent, and you could do, I mean, you've taken on so many different. I mean, I just listed all of the things that you're an expert at. That's like we're lucky in life if you're an expert at one thing, maybe, and you're an expert at like half a dozen things. Well, I got so. to thinking about that gate uh, uh, gate agent job, and the reason I thought about it is. I, uh, when I went to this conference, I'm, I want, there was an earlier flight, three quarters loaded. And, and okay, the bin space is running out, the bin space is running out. And the, there were two gate agents at the desk, and one of them obviously didn't know how to print the boarding pass. And I watched the experienced one reach over the other one and go, boom, 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 boom. And the ticket spat out. You know what? I was right there. I was looking right at the keyboard. And I'm going, I couldn't remember that. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember that. Some people said, well, you're stupid then. Well, I had to have to write it down and I'd have to go home and practice because I, and I'd even would have a little checklist that I had in my pocket. I don't really want to use that in front of passengers, but I would have it. And I'd say, well, I'm just learning and I need to look at my 
that's how my son is. He has a visual schedule at school, but he doesn't yeah. like anybody to see it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't want somebody to see that I had to look at a checklist. Um, but that's a job where I would have to sit down with somebody. We write down all the keystrokes. What are the different things you have to do? There's about 12 of them. You have to log on, log off. There's about 12 things that a gate agent has to do. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot more stuff that a ticket agent up at the front counter has to have a lot more knowledge. And then also, I'd be the one clever one to figure out how to make the computer do some cool stuff, too. Mm -hmm. now, I'm thinking, now I'm thinking about the time where we had this big snowstorm in New York. My flight out of Albany or someplace like that was delayed. I get down to the major airport. Southwest was boarding the flight to Dallas. Giant line, giant line at the ticket at the gate desk. And I go to the gate beside it. And I said, can you get me a boarding pass on that flight? And I said, really nicely. I know that that computer is capable of printing that boarding pass. If you want to make that computer print that boarding pass. And I got it. And I- That's amazing. I had a gigantic autism meeting at a church with like 600 people coming to that. And I got that because that gate agent made that computer print that day. <laughs> I love it. That's Working, awesome. And I'm seeing that. And I know, you see, I know about, I know this about the system that that, that any gate desk can do that. Did you learn a lot? I mean, obviously you fly a lot, but also. Well, I fly you... a lot. That's why I learned that. Right. And, mm -hmm. and now that would have, now the beginner gate agent like me probably wouldn't be able to do that. But. But did yeah. you learn so much about flying because you were. Did I you care. Of flying at first. I'm a, I'm a over a three million mile flyer with United. Oh my goodness. My oh, son I'm there. My son will learn a lot about something that he first is a scared of. So like he was okay. really scared to fly. And then he became really into airplanes. I did the same thing. I was I had a terrifying emergency landing as a senior in high school. We had to go down the chutes. Oh god. Oh my uh, god. How I got over that. I had a chance to fly in the cockpit. This is back in the early 70s, Miami Airport. A Miami cargo to um, Puerto Rico with a load of dairy heifers. And then flying got to be interesting. Then I learned, they call this playing the cow, you know what, Connie, no constellation. And when we got back, there was cow urine dripping out of holes that <laughs> drilled in the bottom of the fuselage. <laughs> and I couldn't believe how badly this plane was treated and she still flew. Yeah. I, I had just gotten off of it. You make something scary interesting. Yes. That's My son loves construction equipment. He loves excavators, diggers, bulldozers, basically mostly excavators though. That's something about the way that the, the boom, yes, the way yeah. it moves. And so anything we can connect to the digger. So if we're on our way somewhere, I'll like try to go past like a construction <laughs> site or something so that I can make it easier on him. Now, what do you uh, have the you see now that's a job you could do when you grow up. Now I'm hearing about the construction guy owned a construction company and his eight-year-old son was running the excavator and he couldn't sit in the seat because he couldn't reach the pedals. He stood in front of the seat <laughs> with a hand controls like this. Yeah, yeah. And then he could reach the pedals. And he was really good at running the excavator, but he couldn't sit in the seat. That's exactly we keep trying, like we've sat in them. He's gotten to like move it with a guy sitting there with him oh well he, is this something that he would be capable of doing because that's a job that is needed i think so the only problem with him is he has epilepsy too so oh, that's gonna be an issue because yes. it's a driving job that will be an issue 
any driving job, you have to go a year with no seizures. Yes. And so far his meds work well and he's only had, he's had a seizure in May and hasn't had one since. So, and I mean, obviously we're far, we're a few years yeah, away from that's him. That's a problem yeah. that they, um, and that, that's a, you know, no, and that's the bona fide uh, safety issue. And I know a lot yes. about industrial safety and can't have somebody's going to have epilepsy uh, operating heavy equipment. Right. And but I'm wondering bad because still... you see they the other bad thing I was just at a job fair just uh, recently, on, uh, uh, and a special ed teacher came up to me and said they wouldn't let special ed kids stay shop. That's ridiculous because the people that built my equipment, we were out there building big Cargill plants and stuff like this. Twenty percent of the people I worked with were either autistic, dyslexic, or ADHD, but they were not diagnosed. Special ed builds the stuff and patents it. And they can't do algebra. Yep. They had a single welding class that started their career. I worked with those people. I'm hoping we can just avoid algebra altogether. Well, can we just the thing is, I think we have to look very seriously at where algebra is needed because it's a gatekeeper that's keeping out people that we need. Uh, I've talked to people, um, uh, students trying to get a veterinary uh, veterinary nurse or veterinary technology degree. It's a two-year degree. And they're on their second and third algebra class. And mm -hmm. you don't need algebra. You need arithmetic. There's a little tiny bit of algebraic stuff for drug dosing. That can be memorized. The same way I could memorize the keystrokes for the gate agent job. That can flat be memorized. Absolutely. That's not algebra in the abstract. And drug dosing, you got to do it in your sleep and do it accurately. That, that's a job requirement. You know, you can't get out of that. But taking an abstract class in algebra. But I asked one dean of a vet school, why are you requiring algebra? They said it teaches you to think logically. That's not how I think. Not how I think. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. And it's, I'm just not looking forward to um High school math for that. Well, I can tell you the heavy equipment operator, if you don't have epilepsy, only requires sixth grade reading, writing, and arithmetic. So, okay, that's a wrap. All so. that that job requires, you have to be able to read the manuals for the machine. Um, yep. But epilepsy, uh, you can't operate that equipment on a construction site. Mm -hmm. uh, for driving, you have to go a year without a seizure. You know, he's a good little reader. And one of the things that we've put in his classroom is closed captioning on um, okay. when the teacher's talking, there's, he has like the words come up for him because it helps him to well, like not That's a him. simple thing to do. Yes. Mm -hmm. You see, that's it's a very so simple thing, accommodation. See, they'll talk about, well, I need accommodations. And I'm going, what specific accommodations do you need? Extra time on a test. That's okay. something specific. Get away from flickering lights. That's something specific. I'm having a closed captioning. You see, we talk about accommodations in way too vague of a way. I, you know, I was at a um, a, a corporate um, website for travel. You know, help people with disabilities travel. There's a lot of airline tickets involved in that, and uh, the blind person said, you know what drives me, uh, I have so much trouble with at the airport is, fi is finding gates. So I made it with that gate finder app. Yes. And then I'm already thinking about, well, am I going to put transponders on the gate? Could I use AI to read the gate numbers? 
-hmm. But as it, probably transponders, and then I got to figure out a transponder platform that's cheap. Yeah. And and off the shelf. And as he walks down the terminal, the gates uh, announce themselves. A63. Whatever it is. You see, I just see that instantly. Gate finder app. That is something specific. So why am I giving all these airline examples? Because I think you'd rather hear about that than about I've got young <laughs> packing plant examples that I don't think you really My want to. My husband's use. family owns a farm. So if you want to talk farm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but we need to be getting a lot more. The other thing that being involved in heavy construction did for me is it's very results oriented. Mm -hmm. You have to finish yes. a job, make it work. Well, let's talk about something specific you could do, like make a gate finder app. And I want to make no hassle for the airport, otherwise they won't do it. You know, if things aren't simple, one of the reasons why my animal welfare auditing worked, it was really simple. Now I'm thinking about trains. Bearings is one of the things that is a critical control point, and I'm going to be inspecting them a lot more on hazardous cargo, and I'm going to define examples of what I consider hazardous cargo. Coal is not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, polyvinyl chlorine and chlorine are. And mm -hmm. I list some examples of things I would consider, and I would write uh, some examples of hazardous cargo are this, but it's not limited to this list. Right. Okay, let's say I spilled on tallow from the beef plant that's messy it's not hazardous that i would that run that is holding a tanker too looks just the same and but that's messy cargo one thing i'm trying to do for my son because he loves these diggers is he has these like toy diggers you know and then so each time we get him a more complex one to kind of like work on and he kind of takes them apart and like messes with the track on it and things like okay, that. Okay, but you know what he could do with epilepsy? He could repair diggers. Yes. So that he could do with epilepsy. Yes. He could repair diggers. Okay, but Dr. Grandin, he now wants, because we've gotten these excavators, first he started with a Tonka yeah. truck, then it was like we moved up. Now he wants a $4,000 hobby uh, excavator. It's $4,000. <laughs> you could buy a little excavator attachment to the, a real one. I know. I'm like, I could buy a real X. I've been to like work in my yard for $4,000. Oh, there is a, a little tiny excavator attachment, like for a Bobcat skid steer loader. Uh huh. Uh, that you could probably get one of those used and you can drive that. I mean, at the point, I want to get some real equipment. Um, He's on eBay looking for equipment. Okay. And that's fine. And, <laughs> But let's work on repair of the equipment. Yeah. Is that something he can do with with epilepsy? Where driving on a construction site, I I know the rules. No, and yeah. if I was running bus project manager, uh, I wouldn't allow that because yeah. you've got people working right. I'm seeing people in a trench right next to that digger bucket. Yes, where that thing could swing around and hit them. That's right. And their safety is totally dependent on that operator. Yeah. Yeah, and he has that light. Um, sensitivity too so working outdoors i'm not, not sure is I, the repair of excavator repairing it that maybe. is something mm -hmm. he could do working in a shop uh fixing these things also there's a lot of maintenance that has to be done on excavators yeah. that he could do and then maybe when nobody's around he can play with one and dig with it a bit when there's no other people around 
how can I talk him out of buying a four thousand excavator though? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you can't afford a four thousand dollar thing. I cannot, but he doesn't understand. Like, well, you see, but this is where now let's get into teaching life skills. Please. This is another area where we've got some real problems. I'm appalled at the number of fully verbal teenagers with an autism label that have never gone shopping by themselves. They've never gone shopping. And when I was a kid, I had an allowance. And for 50 cents, I could buy um, five Superman comics. But if I wanted the 69 cent airplane, I had to save for two weeks. Right. Okay. He has to learn like how many hours you have to work to get a $4,000 digger. That's See, right. for me to understand money, I had to relate it back to absolute real things. Like I remember my favorite toy when I was a kid was a table hockey set. Okay. And a $20 bill for me is a table hockey set. And that's back in the 50s. It's probably a $200 hockey set now. But I remember seeing that in the toy store window. I already had it. And it was $20. And I, that was almost a year's worth of allowance. You see, that's, you see, a, a five Superman comics, that's 50 cents to buy that. But a table hockey set takes a much bigger amount of money. So to understand money, I have to relate it to, different amounts of uh, different amount, you know, stuff you can buy. Like I think about people working in a meatpacking plant. And I think now if I worked on the line, that's meatpacking plant, I'd have to work half a shift to fill up my vehicle. Right. And I've thought about that a lot of times when I've been at a gas station, but you see that makes money real. That's, that's what I keep trying to talk to him about. Like when I fill up my tank at the gas station, I have him look how much money. Okay. But we have to relate that back. Where does the income come in? You have a job. Right. Right. Your husband has a job. Yes, we do. Yeah. All right. So what does your husband do? Well, he's in marketing and sales. So he's at a computer, like making calls and making reports all day. So Jack doesn't. Well, basically, he has to sell. What What does he sell? Make it concrete to yourself. Yeah. It's he like, what is so it? he sells food that into Kroger's and like. Right. Okay. So he, he sells, he sells Kroger food. Yes. All right. Now let's make this real. Okay. Okay. What what are what are some of the foods he sells? We have like, to make this absolutely real. That's why like I want to do this exercise. Desserts. All right. Like, I'm saying jello, which I despise. Pop. You like jello? Oh, I hate jello. Um, and the reason I was eating it in the movie is because I had colitis and everything went through me. Okay. Um they they okay, so let's take some specific desserts. They so see like, in the grocery store. And yeah. and he has a, and he's paid a salary for getting Kroger to buy pies. Let's just use or or um you know pudding mix or something like that. I'm just now I'm seeing things specific. He has to get enough of these products sold to Kroger, and if he doesn't sell enough products to Kroger, he's probably gonna get fired. Right. And so mm -hmm. he works at this job and how and work out what the hourly pay would be. Okay. And then your job is government policy. You have an hourly rate. You'd have to calculate that. Well, in order to buy this chocolate pudding, let's keep it, let's make it very, very specific. Mom has to work 20 minutes at her job. Right. Make it real. Okay. Dad has to maybe put 20 puddings on the shelf at some Kroger somewhere. Right. Make it real. Okay. Now, it's easier to make a job at a meatpacking plant real. Right. You know, where you're doing a physical job. Yes. Right. Um, but 
it takes, you have to work a certain amount and you can figure out how long, you know, like, like for different products, okay, to buy a car, how long would you have to work at your job to pay off a car? Mm -hmm. And since you can't pay it off right away, you have to pay a monthly payment. So that car payment is this amount of time in your office, mm -hmm. right? Make it real to him. That is how they're going to understand money. Yeah. I know. I need to do better at it. He, yeah, we he, have to do, it has to be totally not abstract. Mm -hmm. Right. But I've many times when I've pumped gas into the car, I have thought about if I was in a little different situation, I'd have to work half a shift just to fill this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like the, we don't use money anymore. We use credit cards and stuff. So I feel like it's harder for us to like really it's more, show them. It's, it's, it's more abstract. It is. But it is. then let's get him on the computer. Right. Looking mm -hmm. up the, the credit card expenses that you can see. Right. Okay. I bought gas. I went to Kroger's and I bought groceries. Right. Okay. I'm, if one of you could just let them have your paycheck amount. Okay, right. so the paycheck, I put this money in the bank. And we don't, and I want to get away from credit cards. Let's just work with debit cards. Right. And, and we should, we have to, we can't buy more stuff than we have money for. Right, right. Now there's people that do that, but you can get in a lot of trouble not be able to pay. <laughs> right. So I was taught you don't do this. You don't. That's what I'm trying to teach him about saving, like saving for the future. Like, you see, that's what I learned on saving for the 69 cent airplane when mm -hmm. I was seven and eight years old. That 50 cents would not buy that airplane. I had to save two weeks to get a 69 cent wind up propeller balsa wood airplane. You see, that is real. Now, does he get an allowance? You, does he get an allowance? He does for doing yeah. chores. Like, so he does, he loads the dishwasher for us and he cleans right. his room. And, and then what is he buying with that money? He will buy French fries as his favorite food. So he buys French fries every week. All right. And then he will buy, like, he really likes bubble, anything machine. Bubble machines are like a big one around here. Um, some things, things that must be like the airplane that yes. where he'd have to let let's let's not have fries for a week or okay. the bubble thing. In other words, if you wanted this other bigger thing, right, you'd have to go a week without French fries. Right. Okay. So I had to go a week without Superman comics. Gotcha. To buy this airplane I wanted. Yep. You see, I'm making this completely concrete. Mm -hmm. And I've had people say to me, well, Temple just talks about our own experiences. I don't have any other way of conceptualizing it with either my own experiences or maybe the experience of somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the only way I can explain it. I'm a bottom-up thinker. I'm not a verbal top-down thinker. But he's got to get the concept that if he wants this other thing, maybe the dollar store has or whatever, yeah. he's, he's going to have no French fries for a week. So he can buy something else more expensive that he wants. Yeah. That's a really, really important concept that he's got to learn. He does. I was going to ask you, he has, he have, the other thing we work on with him is food. He's very, very selective about food. He's had this very same diet, you know, he'll add in like one food a year, maybe. But um, I'm trying to keep him, now he's 12 and a half and he's growing so 
big, like he's not overweight or anything, but I can just see that if we keep this same diet of eat cereal and yogurt and I hope he's getting a multiple vitamin. Yes, he does get he gets a multivitamin. He gets tons of protein. Um, but the sugar and the cereal and things I would like to cut the sugar back. Yeah. And there's cereals you have that don't have as much sugar. Right. But we try to talk him into like putting original Cheerios, which has no sugar, in with like his honey nut Cheerios. Well, and you can and you can gradually remove the honey nut cereals. Mm -hmm. That's the way to do it. And if you gradually remove it, I can remember when um I I had Meniere's disease at Single Mission now, had to go on a low salt diet and everything tasted so bland. So I'd like splatter it with lemon or oregano or something else. Mm -hmm. But then you can gradually recalibrate your taste. Yes. So that you're doing the right thing. You can just reduce the sugar laden Cheerios with ones that don't have We do it and we had it great. And then it's like almost like he's taken control of so many things in his life, which I'm like happy about. Mm -hmm. But then he like started taking control of the food and I'm like, what? put that Cheerio down. like, cause we have it all mixed together. And then he'll go and find like a new box because he's like, I know they haven't touched this box yet. <laughs> no, but then the other thing he needs to do the yeah. fading out of the, of the sugar laden cereal where they're in their separate boxes on the shelf. And he puts a bunch of the regular Cheerios in, and then just a tiny dab of the other Cheerios. Right. So he's doing it. You're not mixing the stuff. He does it each time he eats. That's what I want him to do. Cause he wants to do it himself. And I want him, he's, I want him to do it himself, but then he'll make a poor choice of putting way too much sugary cereal in. And I'm well, like, and then if you do, then cut the sugar out of somewhere. Else. One of my rules is no sugar from drinks. Yes. It's a good and and a fruit juice has a tremendous amount of sugar. I don't drink fruit juice. I eat the whole orange. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. helped me. I have a, and I, I know diet drinks either. I went on to go, I, Google and I typed in aspartame and weight gain. I didn't like what I read. So I cut out all the diet soda and some weight came off. Yeah. And then I do have, um, you know, small pieces of chocolate and things like that that I really like. Uh, But I don't do any sugar in drinks, artificial or real. I'll put lemon in it. Yeah. And then, okay, so you want maybe, you know, sugar in one thing well then cut it out of something else look at like a budget okay yep we've got to get sugar all this uh huge drinks with full of sugar get them out of the diet right because i just like i go to certain parts of the country i don't mean naming the parts of the country but i never seen so many obese people yeah i know that's what i don't want because chris my husband has like heart he takes heart medication and all the dads all the boys in the family do so I'm like, Jack, you, you got to stay healthy because you... Well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to prevent obesity. Yes. It's that mm-hmm. simple. And like you get down in certain parts of the country, it's all sweet tea. Yeah. I don't touch <laughs> sweet tea. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Temple Grannon. Please remember that this is part one of a uh, series and part two will be out next week. We look forward to hearing from you.